This is Berkeley Voices. I'm Anne Bryce. In the second half of the 20th century, California's population exploded. To keep all of these people going, the state needed a source of water. Most of the water supply that was then built for cities came from snowmelt and rainfall collected in the mountains. But now, California cities can't rely so heavily on that water supply anymore. That water infrastructure that our grandparents and great-grandparents built for us is no longer able to deliver what we expect. David Sedlak is a professor in the Department of Civil and Environmental Engineering and director of the Berkeley Water Center at UC Berkeley. And some of that is because over the past few decades, the population of the state has continued to grow. But a lot of it is due to the fact that the climate is changing. So less rain is, and snow is falling in the mountains. And almost as importantly, at higher temperatures and with drier weather, more of that water evaporates before it gets into the reservoirs. So we're seeing shortages of water in places where we never saw it before. And the idea of doubling down and just building more reservoirs and imported water systems is not going to work this time. Sedlak says that we need to figure out new ways to generate an ongoing, stable water supply in our cities that isn't as reliant on the weather. In addition to being more efficient and conserving our water, he says it's important that we invest in water recycling. Californians are leaders worldwide in the recycling of water, and the big change that's happened in the last two or three decades is that instead of sending our treated wastewater to golf courses and farms and power plants, we're increasingly taking treated wastewater and putting it back into our drinking water supply. Instead of discharging conventionally treated wastewater, called wastewater effluent, into local waterways like oceans, bays, and rivers, advanced wastewater treatment facilities take this treated wastewater and they use an advanced purification process that removes salt, viruses, bacteria, and almost all of the chemicals that might be in the water. And this ultra-treated wastewater is potable, or clean enough for us to drink. There are already several advanced water treatment plants in the state. The oldest and best-known project is in Orange County. In the Bay Area, the Valley Water District is pursuing a large water recycling project, working to build partnerships with Palo Alto, Mountain View, and perhaps in the future with San Jose. And the reason that 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 water recycling plant is interesting to me is that it'll be the first major water recycling plant in the Bay Area, and it has a challenging problem that needs to be solved that the projects in Southern California have not yet dealt with. And I think I think if it can be solved, it may open up water recycling opportunities in many parts of the world. Okay, here's the problem. During the treatment process for water recycling, which uses reverse osmosis, what's left over is a concentrate, a super salty substance packed with nutrients and chemicals. And this concentrate has to go somewhere. In Southern California, they've been putting it into a pipe that discharges deep in the ocean where it's diluted. But if there were a big water recycling plant in the South Bay, 
that concentrate would be discharged in part of the bay south of the Dumbarton Bridge, where there's not a lot of mixing with open ocean water. And so you could build up high levels of salts and nutrients and metals uh, and organic chemicals, and there's concerns that that could create an ecological problem. So the solution to that is to treat the water after it's gone through this, this process, that is to take the concentrate and subject it to some form of treatment. But those treatments have proven to be elusive because this stuff is pretty pretty rough to, to treat and anything that you do that uh, requires a lot of energy or, or a lot of intense treatment gets to be very expensive. But Sedlak and a team of researchers have found a potential solution. One that is human-built, low-cost, and low-maintenance, that relies on nature and mitigates the effects of climate change. Yeah, so here we are at the Orloma Sanitary District in San Lorenzo, California, I am at the demonstration scale horizontal levy um, treatment wetland site. Angela Stigler is a sixth-year PhD student in civil and environmental engineering at Berkeley. She's one of the researchers who works with Sedlak. When we look out on the landscape here, uh, the the horizontal levy project is about the size of an American football field. In 2015, UC Berkeley partnered with the Oraloma Sanitary District to build a series of test horizontal levees. A horizontal levee, also called a living levee, is a natural treatment system, a kind of constructed wetland. And it gradually slopes downhill at a 30 to 1 slope. It's planted with a lot of different types of plants, but right now the plants are kind of sleeping. Uh, it's wintertime and there's less sunlight for them to grow. Uh, so it looks a little bit more brown than it would look if, if we were here in the summertime when things are growing. But the birds are still here. You can kind of hear the birds singing. They really like the willow trees and also hanging out on some of our taller plants. A horizontal levee works a lot like a natural wetland. It filters out contaminants, protects against storm surges and flooding, while providing habitat for wildlife. They're called horizontal levees because they're built next to conventional storm control levees. So they're also useful in mitigating flooding caused by sea level rise, another effect of climate change. Stigler studies how horizontal levees work to break down certain pharmaceuticals, like antibiotics, beta blockers, and antivirals, that are found in wastewater effluent. When we take medication every day, or whatever we take, it you'd think it kind of just goes to the wastewater treatment plant and is removed, and it doesn't end up in the environment. Or perhaps you have never thought about the fact that these chemicals can go into the environment, but they do. But they're at pretty low concentrations. so like part per trillion, part per billion levels, if that kind of gives you a sense of how concentrated they are. But these chemicals are designed to work on our bodies at pretty low concentrations. They're biologically active molecules. 
The effects that they have in the environment, it varies by compound and species. But usually when we're concerned about these chemicals in the environment and an ecological effect, we're thinking about fish or insects that are kind of living their life in the water. You could kind of think about it as like the air that we breathe around us. If you had to breathe in these chemicals all the time, it would be kind of difficult as opposed to something that would like eat something that ate something else. Researchers are studying what direct effects these kinds of chemicals might be having on fish and insects that live in the water. But because it's tricky to study animals in the wild, and because funding is limited, it's not clear yet what the risks are. But in terms of human health, there are parts of the country where a wastewater treatment plant discharges to a river, and then that river serves as the drinking water source for a downstream community. So there are parts of the country outside of the San Francisco Bay, for example, where we'd be concerned about these chemicals ending up in the water supply for drinking water purposes in humans. In her research, Stigler discovered that when wastewater effluent from the Oraloma treatment plant was put into the horizontal levees, the pharmaceuticals she studies were mostly degraded, eaten up by microorganisms living in the soil. So there's lots of surfaces and place like little micro microorganism homes in the soil, and they kind of coincidentally also break down these organic chemicals because they might look similar to something that it would normally eat. So let's get back to that concentrate that Sedlak was talking about. That thick brine packed with nutrients and chemicals left over from the advanced purification process at a water recycling facility. A few years into the project, we realized that this same approach could be used for concentrate. So we convinced Valley Water to send us concentrate. So every every month or so, they send us a great big tanker truck full of reverse osmosis concentrate, and we feed those to the wetlands to see what happens. And Thus far, the wetlands have performed very well and have removed uh, the nutrients and the, the chemicals that we've been monitoring. Wow, that's incredible. Are there moves to m- create more of these wetlands? Yeah, th- this project, which we call the Horizontal Levees, has picked up a lot of steam and support in the Bay Area from the local regulators and many of the utilities and non-governmental organizations. It's just really challenging building something on the edge of the bay, especially if there's a potential that it it could affect the the natural wetlands. So um, it's a slow process, but there are other communities interested in building similar systems. For example, uh, Richmond is interested in it. Palo Alto is interested in it. There are a few more communities a little further north uh, around the corner in the Delta who are looking at these ideas. So we think it could take off because there's going to be major investments in the flood control infrastructure on the bay shoreline to prepare for sea level rise. And so uh, there's there's this feeling that if you could have a multiple benefit project that, a, that is a project where you're addressing sea level rise and water quality at the same time, it's, it's a win-win and, and allows uh, those public investments to go further. The Build America Act of 2021 will provide $3.5 billion over the next five years to improve water infrastructure across the state. 
and to ensure that clean, safe drinking water is a right in all communities. Sudlak says that while this funding will be helpful in moving some of the state's water projects along, California was already committed to making them happen. I'm so happy to be here in California because despite what the popular perception is, there's not a a water zombie apocalypse going on now. It's really not as dire. And that can be chalked up to the, the energy and creativity and efforts of people who work in the water field. And horizontal levees, he says, could be one of the many solutions that will help California and perhaps many parts of the world to recycle our water and become less reliant on our changing climate for our city's water supply. I'm Anne Bryce, and this is Berkeley Voices. Illustrations for this episode are by Neil Fries. Music by Blue Dot Sessions. You can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast, or wherever you listen. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating and a review. New episodes come out every other Friday. You can find all of our podcast episodes with transcripts and photos on Berkeley News at news.berkeley.edu slash podcasts.